0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field as the Packers, Wes, begin preparing for Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field coming up against the Detroit Lions. Now, the week is all kind of screwed up. I'm not even sure what day it is. We've had a different schedule with Packers Unscripted this week, but I think it's time to talk about the opponent. So let's focus... This episode on the Detroit Lions, who are 2-1-1. One, and one. They've played one fewer game than the Packers, coming off their bye week now. And I don't know what you think. To me, the Detroit Lions in 2019 are the quintessential NFL team in that you look at their record, you look at their games, they could very easily be 4-0. Yeah. They also very easily... Could be 0 and 4. I mean, right. they've they've played close, tight football games all the way along. They blew a lead and got a tie. They caught a couple of breaks to win a couple of close games. Then they had some breaks go against them in losing a close game at home to a good Kansas City team. The bottom line is they're 2-1-1 one and one after four games, and they are right in the mix in the NFC North. And this is a big division game here coming up at Lambeau.
1: Yeah, it's a great point you make, Mike. It's similar to my fantasy football team right now. I could be 4-1, <laughs> but instead I'm 2-3 because I lost by one or point, 0.1 two weeks ago, and then I lost by seven rushing yards last week. We could talk about that on a different episode. But at the end of the day, this is what the league's all about, though, right? Yeah, You could be 4-0, oh, you could be 0-4. Oh split the difference or 2-1 one, and 1. Here's the thing where I'm kind of torn on Detroit right now because when you cover the NFL long enough and you probably got to this point 3-4 years ago when when looking at the Lions. It seems like there's been so many like resurgences of the Lions mm-hmm. and it doesn't stick it's you know it's the roller coaster
0: yeah well I think that's part of it they the years that they have made the postseason they haven't been able to win a postseason game right. and really establish anything and then the next year they can't get back to the playoffs to try to build on what they did so you're right it is it is an instance of okay here come the Lions but then it's it's one good year and then they're kind of retooling again
1: so as much as I want to say you know Daryl Bevel seems to be the right fit for this team and for Matthew Stafford. I said the same thing about Jim Bob Cooter when he replaced uh, Lombardi a number of years ago. As yeah, that's O.C. where
0: things that's where things were headed. You thought uh, you thought Cooter was going to be the guy to stick around for a while.
1: Yeah, so I mean, this is the situation now where I, I just look at it for what it is. They were at home against one of the best teams in football in Kansas City, and they played them tough. They got Carryon Johnson going. I think Kenny Galladay is a emerging. You know, star in this league, and he seems to have that rapport with Matthew Stafford. Stafford's playing well and on schedule. But the biggest thing that's jumping off the page is just the way that Detroit's defense has probably played a little bit better than I expected them to early on. I mean, they've invested heavily into their defensive front, um, and, you know, I, I, they're probably the sack numbers aren't exactly where they want them to be yet with Trey Flowers and some of those players, but they can pressure the quarterback. And when you look at it, you know, I wouldn't say their defense is as good as as Chicago. I wouldn't say their offense on paper is as good as what Green Bay could potentially be, but they're doing just enough of the right things to be in a position where they're contending here for the top of the division.
0: Well, it strikes me as a team that is getting comfortable. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but getting comfortable, getting accustomed to the type of team Matt Patricia wants in his second year as the head coach coming over from the New England Patriots. And I still say, you know, it starts with Stafford here, and when you look at what he's done through the first four games, he's got a triple-digit passer rating. He's, he's up over 100, um, and the thing that sticks out to me when you look at, okay, what is their offense doing right? It's that through four games, Stafford has only been sacked seven times, which would actually put him on pace to be sacked the fewest times in about the last six years um, when you look at his career numbers and how things have gone year by year for the Lions. So nothing overly flashy or explosive necessarily on offense. I think Kenny Galladay's 12.8 yards per catch as their number one wide receiver, I think that's a really misleading number going into this game against the Packers because with the big plays the Packers gave up last week against the Cowboys and with the Challenge that Galladay presents and how Stafford does like to send him down the field. I think I think they're going to test the Packers in that respect on Monday night.
1: Absolutely, Mike, and they're going to look at that film of what Dallas did with Amari Cooper and even to some extent Michael Gallup, and they're going to want to you know really stress them in that capacity. We're going to have to see exactly where the week takes them with with TJ Hawkinson coming on the bye week. He appears to be okay. You know, after having a you know a pretty scary concussion there right before uh, in that game against Kansas City, so seeing exactly you know what his you know potential impact could be. And they also signed Jesse James in the offseason, so I mean that's another guy too that they've built up their resources and their weapons for Matthew Stafford. And Stafford, I think, is having a good time with it. Marvin Jones has been there for a number of years now. Um, you look at you know Dan- Danny Amendola coming in here. You know Bob Quinn has sort of had you know, that bring in a few Patriots here and there that they feel like could mm-hmm. fit the, you know, fit the void. And, you know, we'll, we'll see exactly where that takes them. The thing I'm curious to see, though, is that with Green Bay's defense kind of stepping up to the challenge with Zeke Elliott and Zeke's, you know, yards per carry were still pretty decent. You know, they, they got out of their rhythm because they were playing from behind. But, you know, for the most part, they didn't give any big runs up to Zeke Elliott. Well, now you're taking on, you know, on Johnson, who – even though he had 130-some yards last week, that was as much as he had had the first three games of the season. They've right. had a really difficult time yeah, I getting think, their run game going. I think
0: he's only averaging like 3.4 yards yeah. per carry on the season so far, which... Is definitely down there expecting more, and I'm sure from their perspective, what he was able to do against the Chiefs is maybe the the breakout moment that uh, that they've been expecting for
1: well, him. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons they were able to stay up in that game for as long as they did is that yeah. you know he, he had his longest carry in that matchup was 14 yards, which I think yeah that's his longest of the season at this point. Okay. So they were just able to consistently move the chains and then got enough big plays from their receivers in the red zone to to make that a really competitive game in which they almost won, but. Let's be real, Mike. I mean, carry on Johnson. The, the reason that they have dedicated themselves to him and the run game is they have a vision for where they want to take that thing. It's been decades now where you know the lines just have not been able to find a consistent run game. They feel like this is the guy that could potentially get them there. But you know, as well as that offensive line has done, you know, with the pass and you know what their weapons are there. Um, it's still been tough sledding for them with the, with getting the rushing offense going and seeing how the Packers, you know, we're trying to change their fortunes a little bit in that capacity, are able to do so. And this game is going to be something to watch.
0: Yeah, well, when you look at the Lions through the first four games, they're just the style of games, the way their games have gone. They've been these games with wild swings of momentum, right? Um, turnovers back and forth, I know was a big part of the Kansas City Chiefs game. The fumble that was returned 100 yards for a touchdown when most of the players on the field thought the play was dead and the Chiefs end up getting a a huge play there. The Lions ran a kickoff back 100 yards for a touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. That was a big momentum shift in that game. The Chargers, when they played them back in Week Two, they were missing their kicker. They were trying their punter on field goals. He missed a couple of kicks, and then the Chargers had to go for a fourth down late in the game. It, they've had, they've just had a lot of kind of weird, crazy things that yeah. have happened throughout their games, and um, you know they've had their bye week now. They kind of, they kind of get their opportunity to reset and get geared up for a division game on the road at Lambeau Field, a place that for about a quarter century they couldn't win in the yeah. state of Wisconsin. But the last couple of years now, some of the games with Aaron Rodgers being out for different reasons. But over the last couple of years, the Lions have turned the tide in this rivalry. Yeah. And they, they've they've kind of owned Green Bay for the last few seasons.
1: Matt Patricia hasn't lost to the Packers yet. He's 4-0 yeah. going into this matchup. Um, really quickly, I want to touch on this, because I don't know if we're going to get a chance to pivot back to it. Jamal Agnew is one of the top returners in this league. Absolutely. When you talked about the kickoff return that he had, Packers have had problems in kickoff coverage right now. I mean, Mason Crosby making sure that that they can pin them back as much as they can. It's going to be critical in this one. But that's what I kind of respect about what Patricia has done. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons why we talk about the ebb and flow that the Lions have kind of experienced over the years, they just haven't been good enough in all three phases. I mean, you look at the you know, the Jim Schwartz era. They just weren't disciplined enough. They had really good offensive football schemes. Calvin Johnson was at the peak of his powers, but they just they shot themselves in the foot way too often. And then Jim Caldwell comes in and changes the culture, but then he just didn't have enough explosivity to that offense offense and defensively you saw it kind of erode and get a little older Um, and some decisions they had to make some things just didn't work out for them well now you're seeing kind of this perfect marriage I think when you look at all three phases if you can get Matthew Stafford performing consistently you know he has nine touchdowns already in four games he only had 21 last year Um, he's actually I thought this was really interesting too he's you talked about the triple digits for a pass rating, he's never had a triple digit passer rating in his NFL career. For a full season. For a full season. Right, exactly. Right, right, yep. Yeah, to actually finish the year with it. So um, getting him to play at an optimal level and just being consistent enough in defense and special teams, that's what's going to make this thing a really interesting race to follow in the NFC North because I think you legitimately have four good teams. But not everybody can make the playoffs, and right. not everybody can even have a winning record sometimes. So uh, this matchup for the Packers, and a lot of players were asked about it in the locker room on Tuesday, to start a season 3-0, you know, to go th- through the quick slate and get a win over every team in the division right off the bat in the first six weeks, that is exactly how you draw it up when you're trying to put together a playoff-type team that can really contend going into January.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at it from the big picture perspective, you have to hold serve at home against your division opponents. I mean, right now, what is the difference in the NFC North? The fact that the Packers won on the road at Soldier Field. It was back in Week One, but right now, when you look at the first five weeks of the season, that's the game that has tipped the balance right. in favor of Green Bay. The Packers can't give up that advantage now by losing a division game at home. This is a huge opportunity for the Lions, obviously, to try to tilt things in their direction.
1: Yeah, and I want to mention this too, because last week we we sort of one of the big narratives for that is okay, the, the Dallas Cowboys haven't really played anybody. You know, they have a good record, but you know when they had their first big test against New Orleans, they didn't rise to the occasion. Detroit has played good football teams, and they're 2-1-1 one and one on the other side of it. I mean, you don't do that by accident. The performance they had against Philadelphia, being able to find a way to win that football game, I thought they really, especially in my particular case, raised a lot of eyebrows when they came out and they picked apart a you know Chargers team that I think a lot of people were expecting to be one of the best in the AFC. Yeah. And they, they were able to hold serve against them as well. And then, you know, you look at it, and you're within an eyelash here of, you know, that game against Arizona where you're up and then you lose it. So it's just a lot of different aspects to this, uh, which is, I think, what makes it a really compelling matchup with the Lions coming back in here and the Packers trying to reverse their fortunes after losing two straight here now against uh, Detroit at home.
0: Yeah. With regard to Detroit's defense, some injuries they're dealing with there. Mike Daniels, the former Packer, he's been on the injured list. I believe Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, as he's called, another guy. Plugger in the interior of that defensive line. He's not healthy at the moment, but it sounds like they are getting cornerback Darius Slay back. And I, you know, we've talked about him obviously in years past on the show. I think Darius Slay is a, is a premier talent at cornerback in this league, and he's called Big Play Slay for a reason. He's one of those guys that uh, even if you feel like maybe you're you know you're getting the best of him here and there throughout the course of a game. He can jump up and make a play yeah. on you in the fourth quarter and and turn the tide. So, if Darius Slay is back for the Lions, that's a huge boost for that defense.
1: Yeah, he's one of the best in the entire league and the Packers see him twice a year. Um we're shooting this before practice on Thursday, so we'll have to see, you know, if Devontae Adams if he has a chance this week or not, yeah. you know, coming off of his you know the the ankle injury, the foot injury he's dealing with, and some of the other things the Packers are working through. But Slay is such a you know he's a he's a great phenomenal player. He's really fun to watch, and we've been able to watch him now for a number of years and see him and and how he's developed from just a pure talent to you know one of the league's all around best cornerbacks. Yeah. And you know his role I would even argue has changed here a little bit in the last few years because for a while you did have a lot of veterans there. You think of Glover Quinn, the number of years that he ended up playing in Detroit. Um, there were a lot of guys that were the quote unquote quote, leaders of that defense. Well, Darius Slay, very simply put, is now. I think he's 28 years old. He's at the peak of his powers. And, you know, as as much as resources as they've de- you know, invested in that defensive front, Trey Flowers is, you know, we talk about Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, Trey Flowers was right up there with being the the preeminent free agent pass rushers this off season.
0: Yeah. He was one of the quick signings. Exactly. Didn't last on the market, market. didn't last on the market for long.
1: Yeah. And with all those resources they put up front, that's all well and good. And, you know, you need to build, you need to marry the two together, but the secondary and having Darius Slay is, you know, sort of your go-to there for a shutdown cornerback is, really the identity of this defense, and it continues to be. Well,
0: it's a matchup game, Wes, so I want to ask you before we go here today, what are the individual matchups, Packers defense versus their offense, or vice versa? What are the matchups that you're looking at that uh, that intrigue you the most in terms of how they might play out on the field. Aaron tonight. Jones,
1: uh, seeing exactly, you know, you put that on film last week, 182 yards of total offense, four touchdowns, seven catches, 78 yards or whatever. He had a career day in so many different ways. I'm very interested to see what the plan of attack is for Detroit, and how they defend him. Uh, you know, a pretty deep You know, linebacking core that they have there. You know, Jared Davis is you know kind of been the the guy in the middle of that defense here the last few seasons. Yeah. Um, You know, if if you leak him out now, and depending on how the Packers want to attack the middle of the field, uh, that's where you know Aaron Jones, Danny Vitale can be really dynamic. And you know, you wrote about it this week, and we've talked about it with you know the the tight end position and some of the production that they're getting there from that spot now with Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham these last few weeks. I, I think as long as Devontae Adams, whether he plays or not, as long as he's dealing with this foot-turf-toe you know, deal, you need to be able to penetrate the middle of the field and challenge defenses there. Aaron Jones is a big part of that. The tight ends are a big part of it. And Seeing exactly how you know, the, the Lions try to defend that after seeing what basically the Dallas Cowboys did wrong with two premier inside linebackers. Uh, is going to be, I think, one of the biggest keys to victory for either one of these teams, depending on who prevails.
0: Yeah, for me, an, uh, an interesting matchup here is Hawkinson, the rookie tight sure. end from Iowa. The Lions drafted him with the number eight overall pick, and I remember the stats at draft time, and they're not with me right now. But it had been a long time since a tight end, if I recall, had been taken that high. In yeah, I think it's going
1: back to like Jeremy Shockey or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, something, somebody, been a, it's been somebody like
0: that. It had been a while. So they they spent a premium draft pick on T.J. Hawkinson. And so far, they certainly like what they've gotten out of him. And I think this is a really interesting matchup here for the Packers because going back two weeks when the Eagles had their running game going and were kind of staying ahead of the chains and everything offensively, Zach Ertz was the guy in the passing game who really hurt the Packers. He was kind of the move the chains guy. You you saw Mike Pettin try a bunch of different matchups. It wasn't just one guy had responsibility for Ertz. You know throughout the game, it wasn't those kind of you know match and follow type of things, which isn't normally what you do with a tight right. end. You know depending on your package and your personnel on the field at a given time, you're going to have different guys matching up with that tight end. And I'm curious to see just uh, who is going to be called upon at various times to. Try to contain Hawkinson on Monday night. So
1: a few things to this. One, just to make sure, be my own personal budsman here, it was the highest the tight end had been taken since Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis in two thousand six. Yeah, he was taken six overall. And then Kellen Winslow was in two thousand four also six. And then, you know, Eric Ebrin was a guy that they took 10th overall a number of years ago. That's been a big position that they've been trying to build up through various regimes yeah. uh, it, with the Lions. And it does look Very like true. they have a good one in Hawkinson. Uh, this is where it's going to be interesting in terms of how they challenge him, right? Because you have Darnell Savage dealing with his ankle. So. Let's say he's either compromised or can't go in this one. Well, then there's probably a little bit more of an emphasis to have Adrian Amos playing back and maybe not in the box as much as he did the last couple of weeks. So then what's the chess piece that you move there? I think as long as the Packers are dealing with this, you're going to be seeing them you know, use more of that hybrid dime personnel. But could a guy like Oren Burks, now that he's back in the rotation, can he help you in, in coverage in that way? Can you use a guy like Josh Jackson, who's been kind of sitting on the bleachers here, waiting to to get an opportunity to get back in there will redmond has been thrown in there the packers invested resources to the defensive side of the ball but they also trusted their draft and develop kind of philosophies too with how they handled many of those inside linebacker and safety positions and they're going to need those next men up to kind of be there for them regardless of how this injury report shuffles out and TJ Hawkinson's a guy that you have to be you know, aware of at all times because as much as I've said in the past, it's difficult for a rookie to come in and make an immediate impact. Hawkinson's one of those guys, and if you follow the the lines at all so far this season, the potential threat that he presents in the red zone is something that I think is really going to stress out a lot of defenses. So, yeah, that's going to be a big thing that Mike Pettin, the training staff, are going to have to figure out this week who's available, who's up, and how exactly do you go about defending him.
0: Yeah, well, we will get to our keys to victory first for this Monday night showdown on tomorrow's show. But for now, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. And you can find him on Twitter at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.